crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths. We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other! other. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Criminy. We're your hosts, Matt and Angela. Oh my god, we're so that good. That worked a lot better. I was worried you'd okay. forget about it, but I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> um, wow, well, we did so good at, at the beginning that now I don't remember what to say. Uh, <laughs> well, who goes first? You. Oh, okay. So I guess we'll just jump in since why not? That's what we do here. At Criminy. Go for it. Okay, so I got my story from a forensic file, so you probably know this story. But since I've been, like, working a mindless job at home, I've been watching all the forensic files again, which some of them I had Mm. missed or, like, forgotten bits about. And Mm -hmm. this one I didn't remember, so... And it mentions Halloween, so I was like, oh, cool, I'll do it. (laughs) So I got most of my information from the forensic files, uh, Wikipedia, mm-hmm. the Canadian Encyclopedia, and crimeandinvestigation.co.uk is where I got my info. And also, it's like international, so I was like, we haven't, I haven't Ooh. done an international one for a bit. Yep. So, July 28th. Oh, also, it's fun to see how Forensic Files progresses, like, a couple of seasons they have the super intense intro music that's like what the fuck is this like that doesn't make any sense for this show and then sometimes it's like super chill and then it's just like oh my god i love it I love that they show. need to bring it back it's so amazing good. i know well it's not it wouldn't be the same yeah well who's that guy like you need his voice because and especially since like half the stuff that was like used as evidence isn't really admissible anymore like hair fibers and like well that's the cool thing though because later in the seasons like at first they're doing like hair hair comparisons and then later in the seasons they're like that like this isn't admissible or whatever it's cool they like self-correct i don't know it was pretty cool uh but the guy like jorors and what else does he say jorors i can't remember he says like but i was watching a different show a different like kind of forensic files kind of show and the guy like the announcer or like the mc or whatever he is what are they called the mc (laughs) (laughs) he was so annoying like his voice was so bad but this dude in forensic files is like classic it's so good it's so good all the words that he says i'm just like yes okay anyway so that was quite the aside Mm -hmm. july 28th 1996 and i'm sure everyone agrees with me because we're all forensic file junkies (laughs) off the coast of devon england on the english channel a fisherman pulls up his fishing net and finds amongst all the fish the body of a man a merman (laughs) you would think so but no it wasn't oh man john kopik was a fisherman for 20 years 
And he had to decide whether to turn the body in and lose a whole day's worth of work or (laughs) throw it back and pretend it didn't happen. That is a tough choice. Well, yeah, because you think all those fish would have to be condemned, right? Because they like touch the body. No one's going to eat like fish that were hanging out with a dead body. Well, you wouldn't say that. You would just put the fish to one side, the body to the other, and like, oh, I found this body Separate. that wasn't touching any of the fish. <laughs> this net pulled up a body alone. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. This this body just like appeared magically. He didn't touch a single fish. It was amazing. No. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a very difficult choice to make. And I wonder how many mm-hmm. people actually have to make that choice. You know, because he had to actually think about it. Like, I could pretend that I didn't find this and it'd probably be like floating around so someone else could like spot it. You know, is it really that bad? (laughs) It's going to ruin his whole day. Yeah, that's a lot of work. You know, he woke up at the crack of dawn to get on that fishing boat. You Mm -hmm. know, that's a lot of work. Uh, Tough decisions. Tough decisions. But he did the right thing and he Uh uh, turned the body into authorities okay so the man was fully dressed and the pockets of his corduroy pants were pulled inside out he had been in the water for Mm. quite some time but there was let me just say corduroy is not a good swimming (laughs) he was fully dressed (laughs) drag you right down very heavy when they're dry even heavier when wet yes (laughs) swish 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 love cords Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) He uh, he had a distinguishing part on his body, and it was the ta- a tattoo on the back of one of his hands, okay. which kind of looked he, like that, a blob. But. That's it? Like, he didn't have any other tattoos, just on the back of his hand? Yeah, just one on the back of a hand. Interesting choice. Bold move. Okay. Bold move, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like that would be a really painful place because of all the bones. Yeah, yeah, a lot of vibrations, a lot of... Yeah, you'd think you would get it jiggling somewhere else, but it was like big too. It like covered like the back of his hand. It was quite big. Oh, okay. So there were also bruises on his legs and a big gash on the top of his head, but Mm. they found the cause of death to be from drowning, which is like my nightmare. Swimming with cords, drag you right down to the bottom of the sea. Yeah, going to the English Channel and swimming cords not the best idea. But it could have been like an accidental drowning, you know, but they weren't sure. The body also had a Rolex watch on one of the wrists. And it the watch had stopped on the twenty second of July. This type of Rolex was a self winding one. So it runs for forty hours after it stops moving. You get like a bank of forty hours. Well, that's lucky for the the cops to like yes. <laughs> kind of cut time down the, the time time of death. Right. And um, even better, Rolex keeps track of every person who has ever bought a watch. Wow. Okay. So if you want your body to be get found. Get a Rolex. Get, although I was going to say with the turned out pockets, I was like, oh, maybe you're robbery. Right. But the Rolex. Right. Huh. Okay. Also, don't get a Rolex because someone might kill you for it because I think they're quite Yes, pricey. hide it. Actually, what you should do is get a Rolex yeah. and then just keep it in your butt. Mm, mm-hmm. 
so no one will steal it from right. you. But then if you die, right? I was gonna say like get an extra large one and like wear it as an anklet because maybe that'd be like a little <laughs> easier to hide. But I guess the butt's the easiest way to hide it. <laughs> well, yeah, because well, although you have to take it out every forty hours and wind it. You know? No, you just have to keep moving. It's oh. self-winding. You just have to like jump up and down oh. or whatever. Okay, okay, then perfect. Go dancing. <laughs> Go for a nice walk. I don't know. Like, ah, oh, I hate dancing, but I gotta wind this. Do you think Rolex. it's just like a swing though? Like a swing from your arm does it, or do you think any kind of movement would wind Probably. it? I don't know. I think it. I would assume the swing of your arm, but I, I'm not a. So here's what we have to do. Okay. We gotta get a Rolex. <laughs> Ah, okay. We gotta... Mom, we need Rolexes. <laughs> We've got to test this out. <laughs> it's only for an experiment. Don't worry. <laughs> then we can return them after. <laughs> I call wearing it on my wrist and not putting it on my butt. Called it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay, so each Rolex has a hidden serial number that cool. they then, you know, put down all the information of the person who bought it. So they called up Rolex and they're like, here's the serial number. Who does this belong to? And they told police that it belonged to a Ronald J. Platt. Then they contacted like his next of kin and his brother positively identified his body from the maple leaf tattoo on his hand. So Ronald loved Canada and got a Mm. maple leaf tattooed on the back of his hand. um, I wonder if it was like the... God, now I'm going to... What is their sports team? The Maple Leafs? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was into that. Well, he well they said... His brother said that he loved Canada. Oh, okay. So I think it's just patriotic. It's like if someone got stripes and stars, you know, tattooed on the back of their hand because they loved America so much. <sighs> USA. USA. <laughs> I'm We're doing so well. <laughs> okay, so... Ronald was a 50-year-old TV repairman. He was divorced and didn't really keep in good contact with his family, so he was never reported as missing. He had also been living in Essex County in England, which was over 300 miles from Devon, where he was pulled up on the fishing boat. So they're, like, looking into him, trying to figure out who he was, who he knew in England, and they found an application of his last... Uh, rented apartment and on the application he listed a man named david davis as a reference wow <laughs> that's not a fake name that's immediately what i thought too. <laughs> i was gonna okay, save Steve that for Stevenson. later but i was like that is the <laughs> fakest name i have ever heard in my life david davis so dumb okay mm-hmm. so they tracked down david davis um, so apologies to all the actual David Davises out there. We should look and see before we like really slam them. <laughs> your name sounds kind of made up. Just kind of mean. I don't know. It's just, yeah, change more letters. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So when they spoke to Davis, he was super helpful. And then he went into the police station voluntarily. He told them that as far as he was aware, Ronald had gone to France and that they were friends, but he, they hadn't seen each other for like three months. So then Davis was a 50-year-old retired financial planner from Canada who was also living in England with his 21-year-old wife, Noelle, and their two <sighs> young daughters. No, they ha- that no, that means that they were together before the 21. Uh, uh-huh. Disgusting. Gross. 
They live... Oh, yes? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, it's usually not... I mean, there are exceptions to the rules. But here but with like a 50-year-old... Like yeah, if yeah. you're in your 20s and someone in their 50s wants to date mm-hmm. you, it's number one, no one their age wants to date mm-hmm. them. So they're probably, there's probably something Or wrong. if you're in your <laughs> teens and dating someone in their 50s, I mean 40s, right. like no. Any, no. no, no. Don't even date like a 25-year-old if no. you're like, you know, 18. No. Your, your life experience is so different. So super gross, age gap, yuck. Mm-hmm. They lived in Woodham Walter, which was a small village at the end of Little London Lane or something. Or something. I can't. I didn't write it down. So I, it was something cute like that. So police cute. went to clear up a few matters with Davis in person. So they went to Little London Lane or wherever. Uh, but they, when they got there, they like knocked on the door, and this like old man opens the door, and they're like, "Hey, is David Davis here?" And then he's like, "This isn't Little London Farm. Next door is where you're looking for Little London Farm." And David Davis doesn't live there. Ronald Platt lives there with his lovely young wife and kids. Oh. Uh-oh. So. One in the same. Now there was a mystery to solve. Who was David Davis? And why was he using Ronald's Platt, Ronald Platt's identity? Oh, I could hear the forensic. Yeah, I was trying to do it, but then I couldn't even <laughs> I like hear it literally all day long and then I cannot replicate it. It's so unique. Mm-hmm. So for the last three years, all of Davis's bills were paid for with checks and credit cards signed by Ronald Platt. Wow, what a nice friend. Davis and Platt met through Platt's girlfriend, Elaine Boys, who worked for Davis at a small investment company that Davis ran in London. Mm. Police. Yeah, that red flag, red flag. Don't fucking, as a child person, a teenager, date your boss who, like, owns all his shit. No, no, no. Elaine. What? No. So Davis, Davis starts an investment company in London and hires a woman named Elaine Boys. And Elaine Boys is dating the real Ronald Platt. Okay. Okay. And so then she introduces Platt to Davis, and they also discover that Davis owned a small sailboat or a sailboat named the Lady Jane, and that was docked in Devon. And that boat was referred to in a different article as a yacht. I don't know what a fucking yacht is because it looked like a pretty basic (laughs) boat to me. I didn't think it was like a yacht. I mean, I guess it had like a downstairs bedroom. Does that count as a yacht? Maybe. I don't Because Forensic Files said it was a sailboat, so I think it was a sailboat. Okay. So it was docked in Devon, which is close to where Platt's body had been found. Hmm. They also discovered right. that Davis had made calls from the same area that his that the body was found during the same time period when the coroner determined that Platt had drowned. Also, hmm. witnesses saw the two men together in Devon around that time. On Halloween morning, Ooh. there you go, Halloweeny. <laughs> in 1996, police were ready to raid Davis's home and arrest him for murder. 
So they're all like they have like a SWAT team basically all pulled up by his house. And then as they're sitting there getting ready to like they're like coordinating, getting ready to go get him. A taxi drove by the police cars and up to the door. Are you shirtless wearing a furry jacket right now? <laughs> um, it's a robe. <laughs> With a neckerchief? What is happening? Well, what happened was I went to bed drunk, uh-huh. didn't take I came in my room, just took off all my clothes, was cold, put on my robe, didn't know that I still had my <laughs> bandana on. What uh, question? What decade is it over at your house? <laughs> well, I am wearing cords, so uh, I don't know, maybe the 70s. Not I'm surprised sure. you didn't shave the beard part off and you're just, you know, rocking the mustache. You know, I've been contemplating doing that I was just trying, for funsies. Listen, I, was tr- I think that you and Zachary should go as the bobs for Halloween. I was trying to convince him to shave <laughs> his beard, too, and rock the mustache. <laughs> and you guys could wear your, like, little cut-off short shorts and your, like, white socks pulled up to your calves with your little white tennis shoes. You'd be a bob. No, if I was doing, if I was doing dad bob, I would, uh, I would wear one of his work shirts, some jeans, some work boots, and the mustache. Pretty iconic bobs. Yeah, but so is the short shorts with the white socks pulled all the way up with the white tennis shoes and his little like polo shirt with the little jauntily tied sweater like he was wearing at Disneyland. I mean, that is cute, but then people would just think that I was going as like a gay tennis player or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the bob. Sorry, where was I? I lost my place. Okay, Halloween morning, that's right. In 1996, police were ready to raid Davis's house. Oh, yeah, okay. So so this taxi drives by the police cars and right into Davis's, in front of Davis's house. Davis sprints from his house into the taxi. (laughs) The taxi speeds off and the police are like, what the fuck? So a police officer chases him in a car and then they're like basically racing and then the police officer like bumps the taxi over to the shoulder so he like pushes him over with his car then the police officer like gets out of the car has his gun aimed at davis through the taxi window and then davis is like okay cool and then he arrests him how are you going to call a taxi? I was going to say, I can't even imagine being the taxi driver, like, going about your day. Oh, I got another fare. Go pick him up. Take him wherever. And then the person's like, the cops are chasing us. Run. He, you like, gotta runs go. and Drive dives faster. in. He's like, go, go. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, oh, shit. Did I just, am I a getaway car? What the hell's happening? <laughs> so in the house were Davis's wife and two children. Their kids were three-year-old Emily. Mm-mm. And six month old Lillian. So that puts her at eighteen when they when she got pregnant. Uh-huh. Not even when they probably started seeing each other or whatever. Yeah, it could be eighteen. It could be seventeen, right? I mean, if she it had could be the 17. baby at eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Depending on how yeah, how many you know, months, three years, and how many months the kid is. Yeah. Ooh, yucky. Yucky. So police let Noel pack a diaper bag for the kids because they're like obviously you're coming with us uh as she's like packing the bag one of the police officers gets kind of suspicious and he Mm. checks the bag and under Mm. some baby clothes he finds 
4,000 pounds in cash and five <gasps> gold bars. What? Can you imagine oh, wow. her trying to lift this diaper bag like being inconspicuous as it has like five gold bars and she's like, oh, those baby clothes are just really heavy. The diapers, you know. Oh, yeah. The diapers, uh, that baby powder is just real heavy. We got a Costco sized baby powder. It's like 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I got to bring it all. Shit. So apparently in the previous month, Davis had bought over 67,000 pounds in gold bullion. What? Yeah. Okay. How? Wh- how? Where? What? I don't. I have so many questions. Yeah. But okay, go ahead. Her purse contains some incriminating documents. Oh. So in her purse, she had various documents and credit cards with Ronald Platt's name and the name of his girlfriend, Elaine Boys. Mm. And she also had the children's birth certificates which listed Ronald Platt and Elaine Boys as their parents. What? Her only explanation was that when she got pregnant, she needed medical attention, so she used Elaine's ID to get that treatment. I mean... But it's England. Weird. Don't they like universal health care? I thought so. I don't know. I could just be really ignorant. But she maybe she doesn't have like a UK. I, you need like a UK ID. But then why would Elaine have a UK ID? I don't know. So maybe she had been there for longer, so she was able. She had. I don't know. So this was all really weird. And then they also were like weirded out by the age gap because they're like gross. Mm-hmm. This is fucking weird. So the police really start to put pressure on her, and they're like, "What the hell is happening here?" And then finally, she blurts out. He's my father. <gasps> what? What? And what? she refuses to tell them who the father of her children is. D- okay, wait. Ronald Platt is her father? No, David Davis. Dave Davis is her, is her father. father. She's like, he's not my husband. He's my father. That's why there's a huge age gap. Because he's my father. Um, but they've been like pretending yeah. to be. Oh, yeah, yucky. Yeah. Okay, it's getting. Worse. It gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> so in Davis's home, they found lots of Swiss francs, British pounds, U.S. dollars, and keys to storage lockers. They found gold bars, expensive paintings, and a receipt with a ten-pound plow anchor on it. He has all this shit, but no car. He got. He's got to call a taxi. <laughs> what is happening? I mean, I guess cars are hard to come by in Woodham Walter. What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe it'd be more suspicious if he got. I don't know. What was he thinking? He could get away in a taxi. I don't know. He's like my best uh, okay. odds right now are to call a taxi and dive in. Or you know, you could have had a car with all that money in the garage and just like pulled it out. I don't know. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. And then you could. Yeah. I, (laughs) I agree with that. Yeah. Plan ahead. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So in Davis. No, I said that. Okay. So then police went. Okay. So they found the plow anchor receipt for like 10 pound plow anchor. And they're like, Okay. This could be for the boat, but we're kind of suspicious that maybe it was instrumental in the murder. 
So mm. they went back to the fisherman who lost all that fish that day, tragically. <laughs> and Ugh. they they were like, hey, did you find anything else that day when you were fishing near the body? And he said that he had also found an anchor. But he didn't oh. find it until after they like took the body. And then he didn't put two and two together until like the next day when he was like, oh, I found the body and the anchor. They're probably connected somehow. Weird. I mean, I would assume the anchor would be at the bottom. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know. They must be like dragging their fish like nets dragging? like yeah. really low. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. So they the coroner took the anchor and laid it. So remember, he Platt had injuries on his legs. He had like bruising. Yeah. So they put the anchor next to the injuries, and it lined up with like different points on the mm. anchor. So then they determined that the anchor had to have either been like stuck in his belt, oh or like in the God. waistband he of was his pants. Thrown in alive. So. <sighs> A hydraulic engineer determined that his body was dumped in the same place that it was found. So he like he like got this tub of water and then he like made it so the temperature and then the like currents were the same as that day mm-hmm. in the channel. And then he got an anchor and like put it in his belt and then he like expelled all the air from his lungs and like went to the bottom and just like kind of sat there for a while to see if the water could move him and then it didn't so then he determined that the water didn't move the body wow what an experiment i know as soon as i like he expelled all the water out of his lungs i was like nope no you mean air i mean air oh yeah air i was like no anyway i guess that's what you do as a hydraulic engineer just jump into test tubes and Tie yourself to Put anchors. an anchor in your belt and try and drown yourself and see what happens. Hold, hold your breath and see how long <laughs> it takes. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Though. They also found that the boat's GPS, or as the guy on Forensic Files always explains it, their global positioning yeah, system. system. Thank you. Yes. And then he like explains how that all works with the satellites and everything and how it's like yes. super accurate well, because, because this is breaking news. Yes, that was, like, brand new when it came out. Yeah. So he always explains it. I think it's funny. Mm -hmm. So it showed that Davis was out on his boat in that same area on July 20th. So the police then checked Mm -hmm. Davis's fingerprints because they're like, obviously, this dude is, like, using someone else's identity. Maybe David Davis isn't Mm -hmm. even his real name. Duh, we figured dumb. that out when we first heard the, of his name. Yeah, the first time the Forensic Files guy said David Davis, I was like, no, <laughs> that's not real. <laughs> so no, it's not clever. Davis's fingerprints came up as a match for a known fugitive who had been on the run for six years. Oh. He was fun. Canada's most wanted man. Oh, shit. And one of 10 most wanted men in the world. In the oh world. my God. Do you know what he was wanted for? Yes. We'll get into that. Okay. His name is Albert Johnson Walker. Albert Ugh. J. Walker was from Ontario, Canada. He was a high school dropout. And after working a bunch of odd jobs, he was hired as a bank teller for a trust company. He also started pe- filing people's income taxes And he then quit his job. And about two years later, 
he was like a super good salesman. So he set up the United Canvest Corporation in the Cayman Islands, and he established Walker Financial Services Incorporated, which was his own freelance bookkeeping business. In over 10 years, his company grew into a six-branch operation with about 30 employees. Wow. Yeah. In 1986, a stock deal that he had invested in collapsed. And as a mortgage broker and financier, Walker defrauded about 70 Canadian clients, most of whom were his fellow churchgoers and friends. In 1993, he was charged in Canada with 18 counts of fraud, theft, and money laundering. He had embezzled more than $4 million from investors in Canada. <laughs> and this is like the early 90s. So. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of fucking money. He was going to be caught, and from like a lot of people, 70 different people. Yikes. Mm. He was going to be caught, so he fled. At the time, he had been married for 22 years and had four children. In 1990... Oh. He says the Ontario financial consultant and Sunday school teacher (laughs) took his second oldest daughter, 15-year-old Sheena, on a skiing trip to Europe. Fun. And left his wife to look after their other three children until his return. It's weird that he would choose one. But he had no intentions of coming back. Why even take one of the kids? Because he's gross. Because he's a fucking gross dude. He clearly had eyes Uh-oh. for little Sheena. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Okay. So, unbeknownst to his wife, Walker had remortgaged their house for over 44,000 oh. pounds and amassed up to 32 counts of fraud. <laughs> so, pol- when police in England called Barbara... In Canada, they told her that they found Albert and Sheena and that she was a grandmother. <gasps> Ew! Ew! I know! Icky. I know! So fucked up. This dude sucks. So bad. But she, but like, okay, I mean, she's a grandmother and a... Mother? Mother? <laughs> like, what, how does that work? Wait, That's yeah, disgusting. no, that doesn't work. Stepmother? I don't know. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Ooh. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucked up. So two months after leaving Canada, Walker resurfaced in London as a wealthy American entrepreneur named David Wallace Davis. Except he was <laughs> saying a boot a lot and people were like, oh. Well, they didn't. he wasn't you're... trying to pretend to be English. Oh, American. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, Canada is like North American, so... They probably could, the British probably couldn't distinguish between the Hmm. American Canadian accent. I don't know. I don't know either. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Anyway, he. So there he met Elaine Boys, a receptionist for a fine art auctioneer in Harrogate, North Yorkshire. And as they mm-hmm. chatted, she told him about how much she and her boyfriend, Ronald Platt, a TV repairman, would love to move to Canada one day. Ronald mm-hmm. was so enthusiastic about Canada that he had a maple leaf tattooed on the back of his right hand. But he had never 
he had never lived in Canada, Canada. I think he was from Canada because his brother was from Canada. Well, so he's like from Canada, moved to England. So some of these articles were like a little bit confusing because they also said that the TV. I don't know if I wrote this later on, but they also said that um, Platt and Davis started a TV repair business together and Mm -hmm. Davis like funded it all. So that yeah. not only was Elaine working from him for him, but then also, but then other articles that said that he met through he met Platt through right. Elaine. So I don't know that he was already a TV repairman. Maybe they did have a business together. I'm not sure. But well, maybe like he, that was his profession. Like he repaired TVs, right. and then once they met, then he was like, "Oh, I have a bunch of money. I'll bank. Let's just start our business. own business." Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So it could have been both. It could have been because then the, he could have like laundered money or whatever through that. But I'm pretty sure that Ronald and Elaine were both Canadian. Okay. I think. I don't know. It's confusing. Anyway. <laughs> so Walker offered the cup. So Walker is Davis. So I'm going to say Walker mm. from now on. Okay. I'm, I'm pulling a U where we're getting yes. like multiple names, the names for the same people. It's fine. So Walker offered the couple directorship of his company, the Cavendish Corporation. And they eventually accepted, and he sent them on business trips abroad, frequently asking them to convert money from Swiss francs to British pounds when they were there. Totally normal. Yeah, so normal. <laughs> then in 1992, when he didn't need Elaine or Ronald anymore, and since Ronald wanted to go back home to Canada, Walker gave Ronald and Elaine two one-way airline tickets to Calgary as a Christmas mm-hmm. present so they can start a new life together. So sweet. Nice. Okay. <laughs> he persuaded Ronald to leave him a signature stamp for corporate documents along with uh-uh. his... Well, see, that's this is the part where it's like he... One of the articles said he convinced him to do that because they had the business together and he was like, I need mm-hmm. this stuff for the business to continue. Right. I don't know. So uh-uh. his... Uh, all along with his driver's license, his... What? birth certificate and a no. credit card uh-uh okay what yeah like no. call me Not for that i'll fax literally. a copy or whatever i don't know stealing my identity i need your signature mm-hmm. i need your finger if you could just chop off your fingers mm-hmm. i'm gonna need those so that I have your prints and uh make little gloves out of your fingers yes yeah. this sounds like a great plan So the minute Ronald was out of the country, Walker obviously stole his identity. Obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, what else is he going to do with all that information? (laughs) So Walker kept in contact with the real Ronald Platt, and he spoke to Mm -hmm. Elaine occasionally. Uh, Elaine eventually left Ronald in Canada. However... Mm Disillusioned with the Canadian economy, Ronald Platt returned to England three years later in 1995, and then he settled close to Walker and his daughter. So obviously, big problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what choice did he have? He had to kill Ronald. Well, yeah, there can't be two Ronald No, there can't be two Ronald Platts. (laughs) So... He invited Ronald to go on a sailing trip with him on his yacht slash mm-hmm. basic boat. Sailboat. <laughs> basic boat. <laughs> so there he took him, I think they made it like six to eight miles off of the coast or whatever. Then he knocked him unconscious, put the anchor in his belt, and threw him overboard. 
fuck? So I don't know. It seems to me that he didn't regain consciousness. He just kind of drowned. Because if you yeah. regain consciousness, you know, you would take the anchor Breath of- out and... Oh. Right? No, I would I would assume like if you regain consciousness while you're under, yeah. your first instinct would be to breathe in. Oh. Ugh. Like ga- you know, you'd be like, yeah. <gasps> what the hell's happening? Yeah. I mean you'd be probably breathing anyway if you're yeah. unconscious. So you would just think breathe so. in the water, but Oh, drowning is so scary. Okay. Yes. So hopefully he passed peacefully. Oh, it's an awful way to go. Uh, yeah, that's fucked up. So Walker was like super manipulative and he was able to pretend to be anything or anyone at any time but the evidence against him was really strong mm-hmm. a gps like i said Glo- global positioning <laughs> a global system. positioning system which uses multiple satellites that are constantly overhead <laughs> to exactly pinpoint where you are at any given moment and it's constantly sending that data back so it's like very accurate Ooh, high tech. <laughs> don't question it it's very accurate <laughs> So it pinpointed his yacht slash sailboat to the area at the time when Ronald died, which I said. And one of Ronald's fingerprints was found on a plastic bag on the boat. So he, like, obviously was on the boat at the time. Right. Because he had, like, just bought. It was, like, I think it was a bag for the same store that he got the anchor. So he, like, just (sighs) got that bag and his fingerprint was Mm. on it. So they're, like, he was here. And Sheena testified against her father. She hmm. excused her behavior by claiming that she had been hypnotized by him, but I think it's or more of like she had been abused by him. And brainwashed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so on and then it said that like she and and uh what's his face, Davis slash Walker, they like mm-hmm. kept kind of being like, Who whose children are those? Like, who's the dad of the children? Who's the father? And she like kept avoiding the question and then Walker like kept avoiding the question. Like they wouldn't answer like who the father of the kids were was. So on April twenty seventh, nineteen ninety-eight, Walker pleaded not guilty in his murder trial in Exeter Uh on July 6th, 1998, after just two hours of deliberation, Albert Walker was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to life. Good. Walker showed no emotion as the verdict was delivered and as the sentence was passed. Afterward, a relieved and smiling Elaine Boys, who attended the trial daily, described her former boyfriend as a kind, honest, and gentle man. For his life to end in this tragic way, she said, by a so-called friend whom Ron and I felt at ease with and trusted is, well, I cannot yeah. find the words to express my horror. Yeah. Like these, you've run a business with them. Yeah. They're your friends. Yeah. You see them all the time. They buy, He buys you a ticket to go where you want to go. Yeah, to re, reestablish your life in his your only home country. Mis- only mistake was deciding that he wanted to go back to England yeah. and, and move into the same neighborhood. Keep his same name that he's born Shit. with <laughs> yeah yeah so on february 22nd 2005 the globe and mail reported that walker would be transferred to canada where he faced additional charges of fraud theft and money laundering so he'd finally have to face those charges from like 1993 or whatever it was mm. 
On July 23rd, 2007, Walker was sentenced in Kingston, Ontario to four years for fraud and one year concurrent for violations of the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act in Canada. He started serving his life sentence in Canada at Kingston Penitentiary. When that prison was permanently closed in 2013, he was transferred to a prison in the Canadian province of British Columbia. In Exeter County Court on July 10th, in the same building where he was convicted of murdering Ronald Platt, Walker's lawyer sought an adjournment of legal proceedings to seize his assets, but it failed. So he was like, I don't want you to take my shit. I worked hard for that money. And they're like, But I can't Fuck use you. any of the shit because I'm in prison for life. Yeah. What? The district judge andrew moon ordered local police to turn over the assets so at stake were any items that walker had purchased with stolen funds and any money left in the 25 european bank accounts that he controlled how do you keep track of 25 (laughs) bank accounts in like the early 90s you don't have like the internet to like like, it's a lot of a lot of paperwork (laughs) yeah you can't just like open your one banking app and see them all there Mm-hmm. So this is nothing more than a treasure hunt, acknowledged Angelo Diacino Ascanio, a lawyer in London, Ontario. We don't know if there's a significant amount of money left to recover. He and many of the southwestern Ontario residents who lost money in Walker's schemes were not optimistic. The assets included the sailboat on which Platt was murdered, oil paintings, gold bars, and cash totaling about $290,000, all seized by police when they arrested him in 1996. However, they a judge ruled that he'd have to sell the sailboat so that they could like pay the people off. And his bank accounts, many of which were opened in Platt's name and Elaine's name, were believed to have been used for money laundering transactions. One of the people who Walker stole money from, he said, I don't think I'll get anything back. He was 75 years old. And his late wife, Myrtle, I love the name Myrtle. She sold her tax and accounting business to Walker for $100,000 in the mid-1980s, but was never paid for it. I've got a funny feeling it's a waste of time pursuing this said her husband. So having lost the fight over the assets, Walker was waging one last battle. Defense lawyer Richard Ferguson announced that his client was going to seek leave to appeal. Another member of his legal team said Walker is quietly convinced he was wrongly convicted. Like how egotistical is this guy? There was like so much evidence against him. Yeah, on what planet? So I guess so the the global positioning system has to be turned (laughs) off by hand, and he it was on on July twentieth for up to like three point eight miles out, and then he turned it off and then went just like a few more miles out before he killed Ronald, which like so dumb. So. He had to wait before he got to see if he got his appeal. Under British law, a judge imposes a life sentence for murder, then recommends a term in writing to the Home Secretary, the Cabinet Minister in charge of law enforcement, based on the nature of the crime and the character of the defendant. If his remarks at the conclusion of the trial were any indication, Butterfield is not inclined to be lenient. 
The killing was carefully planned and cunningly executed with chilling efficiency, he told Walker. You are a plausible, intelligent, and ruthless man who poses a serious threat to anyone who stands in your way. Sheena moved back to Canada and refused a paternity test on her children. Mm. The end. Play music. Uh, I just... Uh. Uh Well, the tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad, tossed salad, and the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So, a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components, the person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind, they're all kinds of mixed up, there's no focus, they're disorganized. He's definitely a tossed salad. Yeah, he is. He's fucking gross. He raped his child and fathered her children. Disgusting. Posed as a married couple. He, like, you know he was molesting her before he, like, stole her, you know? Of kidnapped course. Her. There had been a reason that he took her. Yeah. And then they, like, pose as a married couple. Ugh. Ugh. And then he kills, like, someone who's supposed to be friends with. Not to mention he stole money from all these other people who he was supposed to be friends with. Like... Dude sucks. Toss salad because he definitely knew. Mm-hmm. Just like so like, narcissistic. Super. I was just going to say super narcissistic. Just destroying everything mm-hmm. in his path because he wanted more money and he wanted a child bride and he wanted mm-hmm. like all this stuff. Ugh. It's always just like so awful. Like you, that's your child. Like you're supposed to love and protect that person. Like that's your child. And you're going to like choose them. I mean, mean, if you choose any child, like, fucking awful. So awful. And when you choose your own child, it's like... Well, it's a lot easier when you have access to them. and they And you can, you know, manipulate them from the time they're born to thinking that things are normal. Yeah, it's so awful. This guy sucks. So, if you're feeling grossed out by what we just told you... And you want to wash yourself up... (laughs) Try Humblebee Herbal Soaps. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code CRIMINY20. They all use super good ingredients. They don't use fragrance oils. They don't use artificial colors or micas or anything weird that goes on your skin. And they don't dry out your hands. If you're tired of your hands being all dried out from like washing them so many times a day, which you should be doing still, they don't dry out your hands. Yeah. And yeah, they don't super use nice. plastic. Minimal Check plastic. Them out. Check them out. Humblebeeherbal.com. Crimini 20. All right. I got my information from Wikipedia, Murderpedia, Medium. <laughs> Useless information. Uh, New York Times. This is called The Candyman. Ew. <laughs> is this Ew. The Candyman? The Candyman. No, this is a different Candyman. No, because that one candy dude, man? the dude, fucking, what's his name, who, like, his parents had, like, the candy 
Yeah, no, not that candy. Okay. okay. Different candy man. Gross. Okay. All right. So I'm not 100% sure how to say this name, but I think it's Danine. D-A-Y-N-E-N-E. So either Danine or Danene. Danene. Danine. But I'm going to say like, I'm going to say Danine. Can you say Danene? I'm going to say Danene Danine. Okay. <laughs> Her name doesn't come up much, so. Danene Davis. Well, d- David Danene Davis. <laughs> Danine. Anyway, Danine or Danene and Ronald, another Ronald. <gasps> Twins. And Ronald O'Brien lived in Deer Park, Texas with their two children, Timothy, who was eight at the time of the story, and Elizabeth, who was five. Cute. Ronald was a deacon at the Second Baptist Church, where he also sang in the choir Mm -hmm. and was in charge of the local bus program. I have no idea what that means. Okay. Okay. And I really didn't dig too deeply, but nothing really said much about Danine or Danene. Oh, Danene. So, I mean, you know, just cool name. She's got a badass name. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) As far as I can tell. Anyway. Well, she's got like a um, badass name and then named her children like non-badass names. Very regular names. I mean, they're good names. So it's a good solid name, but. Good, yeah. But nothing, nothing like, like a good Danene Danine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so October 31st, oh. 1974. Mm-hmm. Halloween. Ooh. Ronald took his two children trick-or-treating in the neighborhood with one of their neighbors named Jim Bates and two of his kids. So it's like the six of them going around, trick-or-treating, trick getting or candy. Trick-or-treating was the best. Oh, my God. You get to dress up and people give you free candy? And then at the end of the night when you, like, dump out all your candy and then trade for, like, trade, what you want yeah. and find out, like, all the cool <laughs> stuff in there and, like, the gross stuff, you're like, exactly. this candy's from, like, the 50s. I don't want this. I'm like, who threw in a toothbrush and some raisins? Who gave me a penny? What? Gross. <laughs> there was always that little old lady that gave pennies. Although, well, as an adult with a bunch of pennies, I might do that. Yeah, what are you going to do with those pennies? <laughs> what do you do with pennies? You give them to kids on Halloween. You give them, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see where she was coming from. All right. Not so weird anymore. <laughs> So um, they're trick-or-treating, and Ronald would take the kids up to the door, and Jim would stay on the sidewalk, you know, because they're young, and they need an adult to walk up to strangers' houses. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, after they were, so they went to one home, and the lights were out, and they knocked on the door, and no one answered, so the kids... Okay, the lights are out, you don't knock on the door. That's what That's I'm the universal saying. sign okay. for, we're out of candy, we don't, we have don't candy. Yep. give out candy, leave us the fuck alone, we're not here because we're mm-hmm. trick-or-treating, like, that's clear. Yeah. You don't but, knock on the door. So, the kids were like, well, fuck this. Well, they didn't say that, because they were kids. They were like, <laughs> Those you know. are hardcore kids. They're like, we're, we want candy. We don't want to wait around to see if someone's going to answer yeah. the door. Let's go to the next house. Also, I just feel like that's such bad etiquette that the dad is showing them. Like, you're supposed to be like, the <laughs> lights are off. Don't go to that door. Don't disturb them. That's just bad right. Halloween etiquette. <laughs> well, um, so the, the four kids and Jim Bates walked to the next house and maybe like the next house. So it was like a, 
um, I don't know, like 10 minutes or something until Ronald caught back up with the, the group. What? And, and he was carrying five 20 inch pixie sticks. Oh, those were the best. It's just like so much sugar. Like plastic tube of like sugar. And then you fill your mouth too much. Sugar. There's like powder everywhere. Cause you yeah, can't even you can't swallow breathe. all that. Yeah. <laughs> You're choking, but it's so good. <laughs> So obviously the kids were stoked and they yeah. put their pixie sticks in their Halloween bags and I did always so like there were, the pixie sticks. On <laughs> so there were five five sticks, four kids. So he had an extra pixie stick He's and he like, saw oh, a kid. I'll have one on my own, thanks. No, oh. he uh, he saw a kid that he knew from church. And he was like, oh, here, like, here's a giant pixie stick, you know. So the big an extra one. It was like one of those giant ones that were like the plastic tubes with a staple. They, like, close it with a staple situation. You have to, like, yep. cut the top. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I remember those. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think I only ever got, like, one in my life, but it was really a good day. <laughs> I think I got Age one of those is... on Halloween one time. What? I feel Lucky. like. Yeah, I feel like Stephanie and I got a big one. Where were <gasps> you? You didn't come trick-or-treating with us. Uh, it might, yeah, it might have been when I was trick-or-treating with That one year when Mary. we went as dice and my, my bucket <laughs> handle broke and then I tried to like bend down to pick up the candy because it's all over the ground, but I was in a box so I couldn't reach it. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot you guys were a pair of dice. <laughs> yeah, that was a good costume except for it was really hard to move. Yeah. And then that one year we were like a two-headed witch, so that was also challenging. <laughs> You guys had some good costumes. Well, yeah, but Mom Remember and Aunt Keller were like, oh. why don't you just be like individual witches? We're like, no, we're going to be a two-headed witch. That's way cooler. And then we had to like walk I together. think the best costume you guys ever did was the tacky ladies. <gasps> oh, my God. That was so fun. <laughs> I still have that one unitard, whatever it is. I tried to squeeze into it like... And oh like, I my fit, god, you wore it when you were like eight. What do you mean? <laughs> except for the top, it was like pulling me down. Like I never grew. I never got my growth spurt. I'm still like the size of a small child. <laughs> I was like, it was fine, except for it was like cutting off the circulation of my arms. I was like, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> I still have oh it though. God. It's fuzzy. Well, it's you know, good thing. Good thing you still have it. <laughs> Just in case Tobe ever wants to go as a leopard for Halloween. Oh, I'm gonna dress him up as a leopard for Halloween. That's so cute. He's gonna, gonna paint hate spots it. on him. No, I'm gonna like make him a little. I'm gonna unitard. Cut up that. I'm gonna cut up my unitard and make a Toby size <laughs> unitard. He's gonna hate it. He's gonna scratch the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yep. Anyway. I love Halloween. Okay, good. <laughs> Me too. I miss being a kid and trick-or-treating. God, it was like the so best. amazing. It was like always so exciting and fun and glow sticks mm-hmm. and Halloween candy. And you go until a bag was like so heavy. <laughs> and you like had to drag it home. Ugh, and then you had candy for like months. Well, for you, like, <laughs> years, because you would just hoard that shit. <laughs> till it, till, till it the chocolate white. became white. <laughs> oh sorry go ahead i'm just reminiscing okay so you know the night's going well everyone's having fun but it started drizzling so they decided that they were going to go back home dude it used to rain every halloween Mm -hmm. this isn't my story i'm sorry (laughs) how dare you (laughs) reliving my own halloween (laughs) 
You always had to wear like the stupid leotards and the tights under your cool costumes because it was so fucking cold and it always rained. <laughs> you couldn't go barefoot and like be authentic fairies. No, you had to know. like wear jackets and things and ruin your costume. <laughs> no one's going to believe I'm a fairy now. So bummer. It was drizzling. They were like, let's go home. So they all went over to Jim Bates' house for a little bit. And then Ronald took the kids home and he told them that they could each have one piece of candy before bed. Nice. And so Timothy chose the giant pixie stick. Okay. As a parent, you're like, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to bed. I meant like a little like fun size Snickers bar, not like a fucking pound of sugar. (laughs) Um, And like you said, because the... It was one of those pixie sticks that's, like, stapled shut. Also, he couldn't open it himself. Oh, okay. And it's going to take so him, had, like, an hour to eat all that. Well, he asked his dad for help, and so his dad cut the top off with a knife or whatever. And then, you know, Elizabeth chose, I don't know, it's not important what she chose. It could have been a Reese's or a Snickers or whatever. It's probably a Reese's. That's it's, like, the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would have choose. Yeah. Anyway, after eating the... Straight up sugar. Yes. He took like a mouthful of the sugar and he said that his stomach didn't feel well Aww. and that the pixie stick tasted bitter. Ooh. Uh-uh. Minutes later, he ran to the bathroom Ooh, and began vomiting. No. And then he started to convulse. That's not pixie stick. <laughs> and Ronald or Danine or Danene yeah. called an ambulance. Oh. But Timothy died on the way oh, to the hospital. God. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he had died less than an hour after eating the candy. That was fast. Yeah. What's so, that fast act? Um, well, let me tell you. Okay. So the news got out about Timothy's death, and so... How old was parent- he? Like- he was eight. Aww. So... Other parents were pouring into the police station with their children's bags of candy and um, to have the police inspect them. Wouldn't you just be like, do you have a giant pixie stick? No, (laughs) then leave. No, go. But, you know, of course, mass hysteria and panic is happening. Well, I mean, our parents used to like, you know, if anything's unwrapped, throw it away and they'd kind of like look through it a little bit. And then you'd be like, this one has a corner bent back. Should I eat it? And they'd like, just throw it away. (laughs) Oh. Well, um, let, yeah, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. But uh, after Timothy's autopsy, they found that he had ingested a lethal dose of potassium cyanide. Oh, painful. And the police were able to get the, fi- the four other sticks um, so... That when they, sorry, I just like, I they got, put this in the wrong place. But anyway, the police went, they knew that like Elizabeth had one, so they took hers. Right. They knew that the two Bates kids had them, so they took those. Okay. And then they were like, oh, the church boy, he has one. So they knocked on the door of the church people's boy. <laughs> house, the church boy's house. Yeah. And they told the parents, like, we need to check the, the candy bag. Yeah. And they looked inside the candy bag and... The pixie stick wasn't no. there. No. Oh, no. And their son had be- had gone to bed. Uh-huh. So they run up the stairs and open the door. And they're like, holy shit, he was holding the pixie stick. <gasps> he was asleep holding the pixie stick. But because it was so hard to get into, he oh. wasn't able to open it. 
Oh my god! It's like how the cr- the Grinch stole Christmas, and they're all sleeping with their little candy canes. He was sleeping with a pixie <laughs> stick. Yeah, he was like oh. holding it while he slept. Yeah, you can't get into that thing by like gnawing it like the other kind. <laughs> From the paper. Oh, gets the all other kind. That it's, I was just gonna say like, it's wet, and then it, and then it just like closes it itself. Yeah, you have to keep tearing it off. Yeah, and then you get little paper bits in with your pixie stick. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so none of the fiber. other kids got any of it. Right, and they ran tests on the, the pixie sticks, yeah. and they found that all of them had cyanide in them. Like lethal doses? Each pixie stick had enough to kill around three adults. Holy shit. They're just, like, filled with cyanide and, like, no pixie stick. Well, they're 20 inches long, right? So, yeah. like, the first inch or two could have been cyanide and then... The rest could have been pixie stick. But it, it's not, like, mixed up in there. It's just, like, poured on the top. So the kid just got, like, a mouthful of poison. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I wrote here, the lab determined that someone had cut off the tops and filled about two inches worth of poison <gasps> in each candy. Why would you put that much? Then they resealed the tops with heavy-duty staples. That just seems so unnecessary. So, yeah, the... Uh, with all five of those sticks, they could have killed 15 grown humans. Well, and think about, like, you know, like, we would always share our candy and shit. Like, I'm sure mom would have been like, that's a lot of candy. You guys should share that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that could have killed, like, so many kids. Yep. Yep. Or, like, I um, used to share stuff with my friends all the time. Like, I would have shared that stick. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily, I mean, luckily and unluckily, Ugh, that ugh, those parents were probably kid. so relieved. Yeah. Um, yeah. It said that like they were in full panic mode when they found out that the yeah. bag didn't have the stick in it. Yes. And when they ran up there and saw the stick in his hand. Oh, my God. Well, as soon as he got that, like if you get any kind of like full size candy bar on Halloween, like that's what you're going to go for first. That's like the most exciting. Oh, yeah. It's the prize. So he was possession. probably so stoked. Yeah. Oh, so, so good he couldn't the, get into it. I know. So the cops go and talk to Ronald. So they're like, where exactly did you get this from? Uh, yeah. And he couldn't remember exactly which house he had gotten it from, which is weird because they had only really walked about two blocks. First of all, that's a lame Halloween. You're not going to get much of a haul in two blocks. <laughs> Second of all, that's like his neighborhood, isn't it? Why wouldn't he yeah. recognize the house in his own neighborhood? Exactly. And if you uh, got a full-size candy bar, you for sure know what house you went to because you're going to go yeah, there next year. Like, exactly. you remember. But, um, whatever. So officers, they went, they walked both streets going to each door asking people what candy they gave out. Oh, which, I also, I, mean, I think it was two, either last year or the year before, I was over at mom and dad's for Halloween and mom was like, get rid of all the candy because your father's just going to eat it. Like, get, make sure you get rid of it. So I, and I, and then dad too, he's like, I'm not supposed to eat sugar. I'm not supposed to eat that stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get rid of all the candy. So all the kids coming and I was giving them like handfuls. And by the end of the night, I'd given away like most of the candy. And dad was so mad. He's like, where's all the candy? And I was like, I gave it away. And he was like, what? I bought so much candy. You won't have any left. And I was like, well, they're like a couple pieces, but you said you shouldn't 
shouldn't be eating it anyway. And he's like, I bought all that candy. And I was like, yeah, it's for the kids. <laughs> he was so upset. Oh <laughs> and mom's like, good. We don't need that candy around the house. Then dad probably mm. got like a bag on sale for himself to sneak after dinner. He's a, oh, I'm sure. Remember when we would find like the ones in the freezer that he would like hide? Yeah. <laughs> and he'll be like in the pantry eating. And mom will be like, what are you oh. doing in there? <laughs> I'm like nothing. <laughs> he just stands there and eats while she's like watching TV. <laughs> oh, man. So the police go around the neighborhood and you know, they're like, did you give out pixie sticks? Yeah. But like, also, I'm like, how easy is it to lie about that? And how do you prove what candy you gave out that year? I don't know. Well, if you're like me and gave all of it away, then yeah, you can't prove it. No proof. But if you're like dad, exactly. who like doesn't give out any of their candy, you still <laughs> got like three bags in the pantry. <laughs> Yeah, he just so like turns the, the porch light off when mom doesn't know, and then he's like, "No one came by." It's I don't like, know. I gave like five weird. bars away. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're like the ti- now they're not even fun size. They're like itty bitty, so it's like you can't just give one. But dad so would give like, like extreme one. Extreme fun. He's probably like picking out the ones he doesn't want, like the regular oh, Hershey's bars, and like <laughs> ew, yeah, get rid of those first. <laughs> he's like keeping all the Reeses. <laughs> <laughs> so they they didn't come up with anything. So they were like, yeah, "Hey, obviously. Ronald, Ronald, why don't you come?" take a walk with us around the neighborhood maybe that'll jog your memory yeah so they walked around the blocks both blocks about three times and then he was like oh i think it was this house and he tells he reiterates the story of what happened that night he said that after the kids ran away to the next house the door opened a crack and a really hairy arm reached out and handed him the candy and then shut the door so Sasquatch gave him candy. So naturally, the police learned that the owner of the house was, in fact, a chimpanzee with an affinity for sugar and murder. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no. It was owned by an air traffic controller named Courtney Melvin. Who was who very was... hairy. <laughs> no, he was actually at work that night until 11 p.m. He Which is the why airport. the light was off. He had over 200 people verify his alibi. He said that his wife and daughter were home, but that they ran out of candy really early in the night. Yeah. So that's why the lights were off, yeah. like you said. Yeah. And that's why nobody answered the door. You said he was an air and, traffic controller? Yeah. Yeah, if he's not at work, they're going to know. Yeah, exactly. You don't even need 200 people to verify. You just need like one plane crash to be like, oh, we didn't know where to go. And needless to say, his wife and child did not have hairy arms. I mean, <laughs> I mean, as he described it, oh, like okay. that was the one thing that he, he was like, it was hairy, that is so like, ve- we- like a like, man's wh- hairy arm. Why would you make that up? Why wouldn't you like? <laughs> I just feel like if you're gonna lie, like make it believable, right? <laughs> I don't know. People are getting caught up in their lies. You, like I don't some know. super hairy person broke into this house and gave away. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Poison well, a few stick. a few days after Timothy was buried, oh. an, an insurance agent called the police to report oh. that unknown to Deneen or Denene, yeah. Ronald had taken out policies on his two children shortly before Halloween. Oh my God. See, this is the other thing. Like, how obvious... Do you have to be when you take out an insurance policy? You should probably wait a while, right? You don't just well, like kill so someone right away. In in some of the articles, it said that like he had taken out insurance policies like about ten thousand dollars on each kid earlier, like 
a year before or something. Mm-hmm. And then the day before Halloween, he added onto that policy. No. Um, and so some of the articles said like that it totaled with both kids. It was about $60,000 um, total. Yeah. Cause I don't both, even know how much like a kid would be worth to an insurance agency. You know, they're like not earning on one of the articles. It said that he took out like 20,000 per kid, but it could have been that he took out 10,000 first right. and then added 20,000, right. but 20,000 per kid in today's money yeah. is about, $105,000 for each kid. Wow. But, like, what yeah. insurance companies are... You know, because usually insurance is based on, like, how much you can earn. That's why mom, mom's insurance was worth way less than dad's insurance. That's why she's like, he's not going to kill me because I'm not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> That's because always her, a safe like, bet. Just make less than your yeah, partner. Yeah, her <laughs> earning potential was, like, lower, so they wouldn't give as much for her. Right. So how much, like, why would they give for kids? I don't know. I don't know. That's a lot of money for Mm -hmm. insurance on your kid. Also, yeah, wait a while. And they also learned that on the morning after Timothy's death, (gasps) Ronald called the insurance company to ask about collecting the policies he had taken out on his son. How is that not suspicious? (laughs) Yeah, and then they also, of course, discovered that Ronald was in some serious debt. And some co-workers said that he had been bragging about how he was about to fall into some money. What a fucking idiot! <laughs> what an idiot! Yeah. Did it say why it, he was in so much debt? Uh, he was just horrible with money. In the 10 years that... Or in 10 years, he had over 21 jobs. Whoa. So I think he just couldn't hold a job because he was a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, but at his last job, he was, he worked as an optician at the Texas State Optical whatever. Uh-huh. So like, he's doing glasses? I don't know. I don't know how much training you need for, to be an optician. What is an but optician? But it's weird. I, I think it's someone that like fits you for your glasses. Like they Not an sure ophthalmologist you're... though. So you're not like a doctor. No, I don't so think you're. So what's your I think, like? Yeah, I think you work like at a at a glasses store and you like make sure that you know people are getting the correct lenses. Like a pharmacist I don't know. for glasses. I think so. Huh. I don't know. But, so he's um, had like two jobs a year at least. Basically. Yeah. Okay. And his coworkers thought that he was going to be fired soon anyway because he, he, was sus- he was suspected of theft, which like, are you stealing glasses? What is happening? Look, glasses are expensive. That would be they like a are, huge black market. I don't know who he's selling them to. Like but contacts and glasses? You can make bank. That's true. I don't know. I don't know what the black market is like on that. Well, also but- like designer glasses? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is the 70s. I don't know. I'm not sure what they had in ancient times. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to ruffle some feathers. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I just know nothing about glasses. So yeah. I'm trying to hide my shame in horrible. Being mean to comedy. others? That's yes. called bullying. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. <laughs> Also, his car was about to be repossessed, wow. and their house was in foreclosure. Wow. Yeah. That's not good. Some of his coworkers, or one of his coworkers, mentioned 
that Ronald made it a point to ask if he knew anyone who could buy cyanide. This guy is a fucking idiot. (laughs) Also, he, hold on, he can't make payments on his house and he can't make payments on his car, but he's making life insurance payments every month. What well, they're dick. about to cash in. Okay, go ahead. So um, a professor from a class that Ronald was taking at the community college, at, I think it must have been some kind of science class because he mm-hmm. was asking him, he was asking the professor what, how much poison it would take to kill specific sized animals. Oh my God. So he's like, so my son's he was like, like 85 he was like, pounds. Um, so how much would it take to kill a and- duck? Or uh, an eighty-five pound a, a, a child size rat, <laughs> a thirty-five pound dog. Yeah, or an eight-year-old boy. I don't know. <laughs> How much? Just questions. I don't know. A dog the size of an eight-year-old boy. His height and weight yeah, are yeah. these. <laughs> you know, we're in school. We're here to learn. <laughs> what a dick. And- then a witness came forward who worked at a wholesale chemical store. I feel like I don't even need any more witnesses, but go ahead. <laughs> I know. It gets worse. Okay. So so this guy who works at this, uh, apparently you can buy chemicals. I, I, yeah. Okay. Whatever. But he remembers Ronald because Ronald came in and was like, I want some cyanide. And they were yeah. like, okay, great. But the smallest amount you can buy wholesale is five pounds. No, why are you selling? First of all, why can you get cyanide wholesale? Second of all, what? Who's selling five pounds of cyanide minimum? What the fuck? I mean, I assume like maybe like some kind of exterminating exterminators. No, do use, use rat a different. No, do something. I else. don't know. No, what? Also, but he, but he was like, oh, five pounds. That's way more than I need, yeah. and I can't really afford that. So he's he like, look, I only anything. have to kill a forty-pound dog and <laughs> yeah, an eighty-pound pig. I don't need five pounds. I just need like a sprinkling. Yeah. So <laughs> he uh, he left. He didn't buy any. Okay. When the police spoke with Jim Bates, the neighbor, he said that the night was totally normal, except that when they came back from trick-or-treating and they were all hanging out at Jim's house, his son went to open the pixie stick he had gotten, and Ronald jumped over the coffee table and grabbed it from the boy, saying that it was too much sugar at night, even though he was about to let his own son have sugar that night. His friend's son can't eat that much sugar. So much so that he jumps over a table. And takes it from him. Yep. Okay. If you're going to point like. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So Ronald's sister-in-law and brother-in-law both said that at the funeral for Timothy, Ronald was talking oh. about how he planned to use the insurance money. Okay. Here's the other thing. Like I said, I've been watching a lot of forensic <laughs> files and they have quite a few like insurance kind of a thing. Uh-huh. How hard is it to pretend like you're sad at a funeral? (laughs) Like, if you can't even keep up the guys through the funeral, then what the fuck? Like, you're not a good criminal. You're not. You're going to get caught. He was blabbering about cyanide Well, he's clearly, yeah, not a good (laughs) criminal anyway. But, like, seriously, if you can't even pretend to be sad at a funeral, (laughs) what is wrong with you? Yeah, I mean, he was talking about how he was going to take an extended vacation and buy a bunch of stuff that he wanted. To people attending his son's funeral. Yes. Yes. 
Because they're going to be like, oh, yeah, man, that sounds like a great idea. It sounds like you're going to have an amazing time now that your son is dead and lying in a casket right now in front of us all. But cool. Well, hey, at least you don't have to buy an extra airplane ticket. <laughs> so happy it. for you in this vacation. <laughs> uh, it's disgusting. Anyway. Was he like trying to encourage his daughter to eat the pixie stick, too? <laughs> uh, so in um, just things that I... one off. One at a time. I mean... You know, two would have been great. More well, yeah, money, he's but clearly going to get away with this one. So then he can kill the other one later. Some sources say, and I don't know how they would know this, but they say that he encouraged Timothy to choose the pixie stick when uh-huh. he was like, pick candy. And he came, Timothy's like, oh, I'm going to have this. And he's like, oh, what about that pixie stick? That looks real good. He couldn't even like wait for like a couple days. No, I don't know. So they went to his home and they started looking around and they found Ronald's pocket knife with traces of plastic and powdered candy stuck to the blade. Mm. They also found the cut tops from all five pixie sticks in his house. Oh my God. You can't even <laughs> throw them away and wipe a knife off? <laughs> this guy is so dumb. Yeah. Although they couldn't figure out where or when he actually bought the cyanide, he was arrested. And on November 5th of 74, he was indicted on one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. He probably, like, stole it from his school or whatever. Maybe. He uh, he pled not guilty to all charges, of course. Mm. And maintained because his innocence. Because they had, like, no evidence. <laughs> So he was like, I don't know how that got there. That's crazy. I've been framed by the air traffic controller with the hairy arms. Yes. (laughs) Didn't I tell you? It was creepy. He didn't even open the door big enough for me to see anything but a hairy arm. Yeah. And I accepted the candy from this (laughs) hairy arm and handed it out to like all the children. Who conveniently like gave him just enough candy for the kids. And also, if you're... If okay, if you're someone handing out candy on Halloween yeah. and a grown person is standing yeah, out there no. knocking on your door, it's never a good idea to open the door, right? First of all, you won't open the door. Second of all, why would you give them candy? No. No. He was probably not even wearing a costume, so he wasn't even trying. <laughs> exactly. I will say this, like for the teenagers trick or treating, I will give you candy because I don't want that all to end. If you dress hey, up, if you if come you in costume, up, sure. Yeah, it's worth it. But if you're an uh, adult by yourself in no costume and you're just like knocking on someone's door at not, night okay, and the so, lights are off. Yeah. First of all, super rude. Second of all, he doesn't say anything to this guy. He's not like I've got four kids or anything. The guy's just like, I mean, the yep, arm is open just the like door, hands shove out candy. Candy. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this story is rock solid. Of course, all the witnesses that I talked about testified in the trial. Yeah, obviously. So. <laughs> And his defense was the old urban legend of people tampering with kids' candy with poison or razor blades or needles or whatever. Right. Forget all the evidence that's, like, Mm -hmm. in my house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's more likely to uh, blame an urban legend that's never been really substantiated. And most of the time when people find... Well, I'll tell you about it after, but... okay. Um, it only took the jury 46 minutes to convict him of Not capital murder. Filling out the and, paperwork. And the four counts. And only 71 minutes to agree to on the death sentence. Wow. This is Texas? 
Uh, yes. Yeah. Check and out. shortly after he was convicted, Daneen filed for a divorce. Yeah, she obviously. did. She later remarried and her new husband adopted Elizabeth. Aww. So that's ugh, hope that tragic. worked out. Yeah. She lost but, her um, brother. I know. Brother. And ugh, God, it's just and her dad horrible. did it. And she could mm-hmm. have been the one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't get over something like that. I, I was just going to say that. I don't know how you live with that. Um, when he was in prison, the other inmates called him the Candyman, <laughs> which ew. may seem nice and sexy, but no. it wasn't. It was basically uh, an insult because he was on the bottom rung of prison for killing a child. Yes. Nobody liked him. They don't. Nobody likes that. No. At the time, men sentenced to death under Texas law were confined to the Ellis One unit, uh, or Ellis I unit, near Huntsville, Texas. And according to Reverend Carol Pickett, a former chaplain who worked for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, said that Ronald was shunned and despised by his fellow death row inmates for killing a child mm-hmm. and was absolutely friendless. The <laughs> The inmates. How tragic! You go to prison. You hope you could make friends, and he like doesn't have any. No friends. That's so sad. And the inmates petitioned to hold an organized demonstration on Ronald's execution date to express their hatred of him. <laughs> oh, they fell out a petition for it. Yeah, they were like, "Do you mind if we like, you know, just hold up signs and be like, yeah, you're dying. We love that you are going to be put to death.'" <laughs> Can we show our support? We're going to make mm-hmm. posters. We're Can so we get some poster board and some markers? <laughs> yeah. Maybe some glitter like, in plan here. Plan it out like a year in advance. <laughs> like, we're going to need more supplies. We need some gel pens. <laughs> Ooh, gel pens. We really got to drive home that we hate this guy. <laughs> Ronald appealed his case several times, but was always denied. Yeah, obviously. But he was, however, able to get his execution date changed three times thanks to his lawyer. What's that going to do? Just postpone it. Yeah. Well, they were hoping to like, you know, postpone it and appeal. You're not going to get an appeal. It It was like open shut. And in March of 84, he was put to death by lethal injection. Mm -hmm. During the execution, a crowd of 300 demonstrators gathered outside the prison cheering while some yelled trick or treat. Oh, (laughs) whoa. Others showered anti-death penalty demonstrators with candy. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Well, that's just a fun day for all. Yeah, it sounds fun. (laughs) And, um, of course, he couldn't go out without saying a few things. Oh, God. He He wrote a letter, and his letter said, What is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. However, we as human beings do make mistakes and errors. This execution is one of those wrongs. What? Yet, doesn't mean our whole system of justice is wrong. Therefore, I will forgive all who have taken part in who any way in my death. Who gives a shit about you? <laughs> also, to anyone I have offended in any way during my 39 years, I pray and ask for your forgiveness, just as I forgive anyone who offended me in any way. And I pray and ask God's forgiveness for all of us, respectively, as human beings. What about your child? (laughs) Right? To my loved ones, I extend my undying love. To those close to me, know in your hearts I love you, one and all. 
God bless you all, no. and may God's bl- best blessing be always yours. He didn't even Signed. mention his children. Nope. And he also said, P.S. During my time here, I have been treated well by the TDC personnel. Although I never made any friends. <laughs> but I was friendless till the end. What is his fucking deal? He didn't even mention, like, oh, even if he was, like, pretending to be innocent through this whole thing, he could have said something about, like, oh, I miss my children. My poor son died and you never found who nothing. killed him. Absolutely nothing, nothing about it's his all about children. about him and how tragic it is that he got charged. What a piece of shit. So he's known as the Candyman and also the man who killed Halloween. Except for Halloween lives on. Ha ha. Huzzah. Um, but it did, you know, it, it actually... Put a damper on some Put things. a damper on it because it, yeah. it made a lot of people afraid to let their kids go trick-or-treating for a while. Sure. And also, I think I put this somewhere else, but it also led to um, a lot of churches doing what they call trunk or treat, mm-hmm. where they just like get in a parking lot and have the kids go to people's trunks, which I think is creepier. <laughs> that, yeah, because then you're approaching cars, which it's much easier to take a child. Right? Because you just toss them in, like, look, oh, the candy's deep in the trunk. You got to climb in to get it. <laughs> it's like a haunted no. house. It's spooky. <laughs> yeah, I don't support that, but. So then I was curious about, like, if there were other cases of actual candy tampering. Did it actually happen? The razor blade one was always the one that we heard. Yeah. And so, okay. So I found, like, a couple. Which is why I would sometimes suck on my candy so I (gasps) could. Find the razor blade? Taste the metal before it cut up my insides. (laughs) I had anxiety as a child, and I still do to this day. <laughs> like, oh, does it taste metallic? Mm, yeah. No. no, okay. So I found a few other cases where uh, a few <laughs> of tampering, but uh, so on October thirty first in nineteen fifty nine in Fremont, California, Hey Bay Area, um, kids Bay. kids are trick or treating, and as things wound down. Parents are inspecting their candy because, like, even mm-hmm. in the fifties, the there was the urban legend. So, well, I mean, the thing ins- about it is, is ha- Halloween is pretty sketchy, and, and you're just getting random shit from random people. I'm sure parents are always like a little bit yeah. weary of it, but it's so much fun. So, uh, parents were finding these little heart-shaped, sugar-coated white pills in their kids' candy sacks. Uh huh. And all the parents in the neighborhood got together and they were able to figure out whose house was handing out these weird little pills. Yeah. So they called the police and filed complaints against the owners of the house. Um, Police went to question Dr. William Shine. Uh Uh-oh. He was a dentist. Oh. Which you'd think? I mean... First of all, Dr. Shine as a dentist is, like, the best name. (laughs) Exactly. You, like, have to become a dentist if your name is Shine. And don't you think that, like, you would want to give more candy as a dentist so you'd have more clients? Oh! (laughs) But they found out that the pills were actually aloe pills, which during that time were used as laxatives. Yeah. I did not know you could use aloe as a laxative. Yeah, it's actually uh, it's actually good to take as a supplement. Hmm. So you know, a few kids shit themselves, and uh... wait, did why did he do it? Well, okay, let me let me finish. Uh, okay. So normal adult use was two pills, 
uh-huh. of the, these aloe supplements, yet kids' bags were filled with as many as 30. He's just, like, dumping like, handfuls. out, like, yes. First of all, they're Get heart-shaped already. Come they're, like, on. sugary and heart-shaped. I think that he sugar-coated them. Okay, that's a lot of effort. 30? Okay. He had, like, a lot of these things. Right? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you just put them in a little baggie and then put them in a bag? You're just going to pour out... I don't know. It seems like you have to grab, like, a handful. Whatever. You have, like, a bucket, and then you have, like, a shovel, and you're just, like, shoveling <laughs> it into kids' bags. Well, at least 16 children received the pills, with yeah. only four of them being known to suffer from stomach cramps and vomiting, and I'm sure oh. pooping, dumping oh. syndrome. Yeah. Luckily, though, the pills were so bitter that most of the kids spit them out right away. Ew! And none, <laughs> no one required hospitalization. You couldn't even candy coat them? The dentist disappeared when they went to go talk to him. Uh-huh. And because he was wanted for two misdemeanor charges. And the, the, the first charge was for unlawfully dispensing a drug. And the second was outraging the public decency and endangering the health of children. <laughs> okay. So if found guilty, he could face up to one year in jail and a $1,000 fine. Well, big deal. Yeah. So the cops went out looking for him and they got a tip from some lady or they got a tip from like a neighbor that some lady went to the doctor's house and got his dog. What? So they were like, yeah. So they were like, oh, she must know where he is. Oh, then, okay. Yeah. Like um, he called her and it's like, can you, can you my get dog? my dog? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And also, I guess, uh, I didn't mention this, but. The neighbors had said that that night they remember, like, a man and a woman giving out uh-huh. candy from that house. So they were like, oh, maybe she's the woman right. that was there. So they were able to find her. They issued an arrest warrant, and they found her. And her name was is Hazel Ingleby. Oh. And she was a nurse and a friend of Dr. Shine. Uh-huh. So they arrested her, and she was charged with the same misdemeanor charges as Dr. Shine. And then she was released on bail. Okay. Um, well, it turns out that Dr. Shine was actually on an elk hunting trip. And it's the 50s, what? so there's no cell phones. So he didn't right. know that people were looking for him. Allegedly. He, <laughs> he gave out the candy and then... Or and then ca- left the candy, next day. Yeah. And then left and then the next And then left day. on an elk hunting trip. Right. Okay. Because he, he didn't know that that would be wrong to give people shovelfuls of laxative. <laughs> To children? That's what I'm saying. I think he he knew very yeah, well. And the, yeah, yeah. But his excuse was like, oh, I had no idea anyone was looking for me. So, like, when he got back into town, you know, they were able to <laughs> arrest him and charge him mm-hmm. with the misdemeanors. Um, and he paid the fines and was off on his way. Okay. So that is, like, one of the only Wait, actual, it didn't say, like, like, why he did it? No. Or- I think he just hated Halloween or just didn't like children or thought it would be funny. I don't know. That's so weird. And the woman, like, agreed to do it with it. Like, what? I don't know. Okay. And then I found this this story from Halloween of 64 in Mm. New York. A 47-year-old woman named Helen Feel, P-F-E-I-L, Fail, Fail. Sure. Sure. Um, 
the article called her a housewife, which I think sounds kind of demeaning. <laughs> yeah, that's why we don't call women who take care of their children stay-at-home housewives anymore. Housewives. But anyway, she was accused of putting tinfoil-wrapped packages in kids' candy buckets. The shiny, the shiny gifts contained yeah. a steel wool sponge, uh-huh. a, a dog biscuit, <laughs> and an ant trap that they were calling buttons because I think they're like the little round yeah. ant traps. Yeah. Um, and the ant <laughs> traps were the, the the ant traps were clearly labeled with the word poison. Uh huh. Okay. So she's giving them like a little kit, so- a little like help your mom out at home kit. Right? Do the dishes sometimes, I maybe. Oh, um. Also, she's like, you're going to have a shit ton of ants because of all the candy and wrappers all around. So here's for the ants. Oh, perfect. Here's to help you, like, scrub some shit. And, and here's, here's for your dog. Because <laughs> everyone has a dog. Well, Helen, it seemed, was disturbed by the number of older kids trick-or-treating. <laughs> and she gave out about 12 of her delightful, and I'll say useful gifts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's very thoughtful. She said she only did it as a joke and that she told the kids it was a joke. At her arraignment day, what? Uh, at her arraignment, Miss, Mrs. Pfell, they described her as a short, thin woman, said she didn't mean anything <laughs> malicious. Yeah, what are they arresting her based on? Like, what's her charge? Um, I think because the ant traps had poison so i think they were like, knowingly giving poison to children i'm not sure but the judge said it's hard for me to understand how any woman with sense or reason could give this to a child how could any housewife <laughs> housewife jeez <laughs> like maybe she couldn't have time to get out of her house to go buy candy yeah maybe her husband was a little stingy with the money and he was like figure it out so then I was like, how did this urban legend even start, right? Yeah. So claims that candy was poisoned or tampered with gained general credence during the Industrial Revolution. Wow. When food, when food production moved out of the home or local areas where you knew who was making your shit. Yeah. To, you know, these big industrial places far I mean, away I will say no this. You knew. always see those pictures online of people who find like a rat in their like microwave, Ew. whatever. In food. their dinty moor. In their dinty moor. <laughs> there's like a rat in there. And it's like, that is so fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm suspicious of all that. Mm-hmm. So, and like strangers using unknown ingredients and unfamiliar machines yeah. and processes that they didn't know. And then the prevalence persisted with myths during the 60s and 70s, um, during a time of social upheaval and greater racial integration, oh. and and improved status for women. Oh. So people were like, what? We can't trust anyone. We got people of color and women doing things. This yeah, isn't what the cool. Hell are, what the hell are they we, doing? We can't trust that. We yeah, gotta look no. at this candy more suspiciously. We gotta look at everything <sighs> suspiciously. That's yeah. interesting because I was gonna say like the three stories you told were like from the 50s to the 70s. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I did find one that was more recent that a, a kid got either... Oh man, I wish I had written this one down. So it was either that they 
got horribly sick or that they died because <gasps> they ingested heroin. But then it turned <gasps> out that the parents were the ones oh, who... yeah. You know, so it's always like someone that the kid knows. Anyway, due to the fears, parents and communities... Oh, I already said this. Did the trunk or treat for... Was the uh, heroin an accident? No. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Joel Best, who's a sociologist at the University of Delaware, specializes in the scholarly study of candy tampering legends, (gasps) which... I didn't even know that that could be How a job. How do you get a job That's where you so look into cool. legends? What? <laughs> and he said that in his research, he found that in most cases of candy tampering were attempts by adults to gain financial compensation mm-hmm. or far more commonly by children to get attention. Oh, yeah. So despite these claims of poison candy being eventually proved false... The news media promoted the story continuously throughout the 1980s with local news stations featuring frequent coverage. Yeah. During this time, cases of poisoning were repeatedly reported based on unsubstantiated claims. That's just good journalism. Yeah, or before full investigation could be completed and often never followed up on. Yeah, great journalism. Also, where does the razor blade thing come from? I don't know. Almost all tampering cases, at a rate of one or two per year, involve a friend or family member, usually as a prank. Almost mm. all of them involved sharp objects rather than poisoning. Oh, there you go. Three quarters of them resulted in no injuries, mm-hmm. and the rest resulted in only minor injuries, like someone cutting their finger. Mm. So no child has ever been killed by eating halloween candy from a stranger happy halloween (laughs) so go get your candy from strangers (laughs) except for not this year probably that seems sketch yeah yeah probably uh, halloween's canceled (laughs) oh you know so um back to ronald do you think that he was a toss salad and the scrambled egg a toss salad a scrambled egg. Oh, yeah. Wow. He was a dick on a stick. He sucked. <laughs> yeah. Horrible, shitty, tossed shitty person. salad. Also, uh-huh. fucking dumb. Dumb Just toss salad. really dumb. Yeah. Got some wilted leaves. He's so wilted. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a dumb salad. What's a dumb salad? <laughs> Whatever a dumb salad is, he's it. That's He's like so fucking dumb. Dumb salads. And poor Danene, Danine, and her, and her children. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like this poor woman. She's a victim too. Yes. Yeah. She lost She's... her child. Her eight-year-old. She By the person that she married. Yeah. That she trusted and married and thought was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a good father. I mean, he took the kids out trick-or-treating. Yeah. He seemingly was a good father uh, yeah. according to her or whatever. Like, you know, he seemed involved. He worked. You just never, yeah, you would never think, like, the person that you're living with, that you have children with, would murder your children. A lot of times you don't. No. uh, That's why it's best to stay alone forever. Yes. Don't meet anyone. Don't talk to anyone. Go get yourself some mannequins. Uh, You can have a pet. They are usually pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, pets are great. abandoning you. Some of them will run away (laughs) if you don't trap them, though. Yikes. Mm. No, that was terribly tragic. Hooray. And like what? Uh, 
Like, they were so excited. It was Halloween. Like, they got a fucking giant candy. Like, what a dick. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Well, like, like you run away, you know? Like, abandon your family and start a new life or whatever. Don't, like, yes. kill your child. Go take your daughter to England, marry her, and start a new life. Like, yeah. Have we learned nothing? <laughs> What's wrong with you? God. <laughs> There's more options out there. <laughs> oh, that was terribly sad. Yeah. Okay. Should we do some crime any sakes? And now for the portion that we like to call Crime and Sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. It's hard because I don't know if we've done these before. I know. They all sound familiar. <laughs> yeah. So I've got this one from Reader's Digest. It says... In Australia, a would-be thief broke into a Melbourne bakery, found for all his troubles. He had trapped himself in a locked storeroom. (laughs) He was captured on CCTV, stacking containers, chairs, and bins in a desperate attempt to climb up to the roof. Oh, my God. Cameras rolled for 30 minutes as he attempted to scale the pile, (gasps) crashing to the ground at least Five times. Oh, my God. The would-be burglar eventually freed himself and handed himself in. <laughs> He's probably Which glad made to be me out. think of you stacking all that shit to get into your house when you lived in Bolivia because you had to oh pee. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I, first, I had to scale the fence to get into the courtyard, and then all the doors were locked, and they usually left the side door open, and I had to pee so bad that... I had to like scale, I stacked chairs, tables and chairs and boxes <laughs> to climb up. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Okay. I have one from Newser. It says, a Florida man not only didn't heed a road sign that may have kept him out of harm's way, he apparently crashed right into it. <laughs> Per a probable cause affidavit attained by the smoking gun, police came across 22-year-old Bounty... His name is Bounty Cheramey. Bounty Bounty. Mm Cheramey. Okay. uh, So outside his car around 12.30 a.m. Sunday on the Tamiami Trail in (laughs) Port Charlotte... A deputy notes in the affidavit that Cheremi's Mazda had heavy front end damage and that a nearby electric sign on a road on a oh. road trailer had been hit. The sign's message, drive sober or get pulled over. <laughs> per NBC2, officers say Cheremi told them that earlier that night he'd be he'd been studying with a friend who made him an alcoholic drink in a small cup. Uh-huh. Cheremi said he had been on the phone with a friend, it's not clear if it was the same friend, when uh-huh. he crashed. He told cops he had no clue what he was slamming into, what? or what he slammed into. He was ov- oblivious to the fact that he ran over that sign, <laughs> a rep from the Charlotte County Sheriff's Office said. Per arrest report, Cheremi's breath test re- returned a blood alcohol content of 0.166, more than twice the legal limit in Florida. Yeah. 
The department has since put up a post online showing the damage as a warning to others. Chereme, meanwhile, is facing DUI and property damage charges. He crashed into an electric sign. A do not drive drive over it and had no idea what he hit. Yeah. (laughs) Dude was like cross-eyed when he was driving. Like, how do you miss that light up sign? I was just going to say, and it had lights. And he was in like a sedan, right? Like a little low to the ground Mazda. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He fucked his car up and it must have been like a bumpy ride to get over that sign. Wow. What was in that little cup? (laughs) <laughs> it was just a little cup. Fucking strong. Okay. In Brazil, two burglars rifling through an apartment were disturbed by police and jumped out of a window with a stash of jewelry. Soon mm-hmm. afterwards, the police picked up the two men acting suspiciously. While in custody, one man became ill and needed hospital treatment. Uh-oh. X-rays showed that the problem was... Two rings, a pendant, and a necklace, all swallowed in haste. After swift surgery, the apartment owner identified the items and police did the rest. And then they were like, but you can keep it. That stuff's gross now. He swallowed it. He didn't put it out of his butt. Well, I mean, poop happens from the inside out. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying. It didn't make it to an intestine, though. Oh, no. Well, I have one from New York Daily News. Okay, one more then. Okay. Okay. A German couple booted from a cruise ship because their loud lovemaking (gasps) and subsequent arguing is now crying foul in German court. The the pair, identified as Renate F. and Volker, is suing T-U-I, T-U-T. Two cruises for making them disembark the Mine Schiff 5 in Barbados. <laughs> According to <laughs> the report, Renate admitted she and her paramour accidentally left their balcony door open, in, open while making the most of their pleasure cruise. <laughs> she admitted to getting a little loud following How their passion. <laughs> Following their passionate copulation, an argument ensued that Renate said never became physical. She then stepped onto the balcony to have a cigarette, and crew members allegedly entered the cabin and told the lovebirds their trip was over. Nearly, <laughs> nearly 7,500 miles from home. According to Renate, they found themselves stranded in Barbados at <laughs> yeah, 1 a.m., <laughs> carrying Bye. their luggage with nowhere to go. <gasps> She claimed they book a f- booked a flight to Paris and took a train home from there. Wow. The misadventure, by her math, cost more than $10,000. Whoa. She's also asking for unspecified compensation for emotional damages. Well, that's just embarrassing. A spokeswoman for the cruise line reportedly confirmed the couple had been kicked off the ship, but kept details scant, citing a concern for passenger privacy. Due to a security-related incident, we have made use of our house of our house right and asked the guests to leave the ship. The spokeswoman said, "This was done to protect the other guests, them- to protect the guests themselves and other fellow travelers." How loud <laughs> do you have to be to be kicked off of a cruise ship? <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. Real loud, apparently. <laughs> wow. Also, I want to shout out the fact that this pandemic happened and the cruise ships are like, you know, not happening as much that the whales are super stoked and the humpback whales in up by Alaska are like singing like never before. Wow. Because they can actually hear each other now and they can actually find each other and they're like communicating with each other. Whereas before they'd kind of like sing a little here and there, but now they're like doing it. They're like partying. So fuck cruise That's ships. Cool. Yeah. Please don't go on a cruise ship because it's destroying the ocean and whales aren't able to find each other and they can't communicate with each other because of all the noise. Plus it so. just sounds like a horrible time. You're trapped on a huge boat in the middle and of nowhere with a bunch get of strangers. you're stranded in Barbados at one o'clock in the morning if you're like a little bit noisy. Mm-hmm. Or how about that one? <laughs> what was that? The cruise line where like all the, the plumbing cruise. backed yeah. up. So they were yeah. just like sloshing through poop. Yeah. Yeah, please, everyone, don't. I know it's like, yeah, but don't support cruise cruises. No. Support no. the whales. Save the whales. Save the whales. <laughs> They're ancient and wise and beautiful, beautiful animals. All right. All right. That was a good note to end on. <laughs> Check out Humble Be Herbal. Buy some stuff. Get your 20% off. Check us out next week. We'll be back with another episode. Also, if you can, and I know because I was never one to subscribe to a podcast, but really it doesn't, it's like not a big deal. And you get all your like episodes downloaded once they're posted. So if you could subscribe and rate and review, that'd be super cool. I understand though, because I was never one to do it until recently, but I've been, Mm -hmm. if I like it, I will rate and subscribe. Yeah. It just helps us know if anyone's listening <laughs> yeah so uh you can always always email us at crimeanypodcast at gmail.com and stay sane out there as sane as you can yeah be nice don't be a dick save the whales <laughs> peace out see you next week talk at you next bye. week. bye oh we'll talk at you next week goodbye all right bye Go take your daughter to England, marry her, and start a new life. Some of them will run away if you don't trap them, though. Poop happens from the inside out. He was a dick on a stick. Suit up. No one's going to believe I'm a fairy now.